my dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. Then one day, my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs, the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure. I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash customer to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash customer. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. It offers flexible spending capacity that adapts to your business. You can also earn up to $395 in annual statement credits on eligible purchases at select business merchants. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. AT&T connects and ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories, change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. It's brand new season two. I'm Marissa Thalberg. And I'm Stephen Wolf Bededa. And we're excited to be back having bigger, bolder, and always real conversations. Straight from the C-suite front lines of marketing, media, and more. We have great friends joining from people you may know, like Wilmer Valderrama and Bobby Burke. And people you'll want to know. So grab a coffee or, hey, even an Aperol Spritz and come join us on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Listen to brand new on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Johnny B. Good, the host of the podcast, Creating a Con, the story of Bitcoin. This podcast dives deep into the story of Ray Trapani and his company, Centratech. I'll explore how three 20-somethings built a company out of lies, deceit, and greed. I've been saying since a very young age that I was going to be a millionaire. If someone's like, oh, what's your best way of making money? I'm like, oh, we should start some sort of scheme. Listen to Creating a Con, the story of Bitcoin, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Will Lucas, and this is Black Tech Green Money. Afrotech 2022, Austin, Texas. On the main stage is Stephanie Ogbogu, who was Associate Director of Editorial at Blavity. And she's facilitating a conversation with Tim Henshaw, who's Head of Hip Hop and R&B at Amazon Music, and Wallace Joseph, VP of A&R at Warner Chapel Music. There's a lot of money in the music business, and some is quite obvious even to the layman. But the fine print on the contract is where the real money is. And when you're not paying attention, this is where you get got. Publishing, streaming, music rights, and more. On this episode, let's talk the business of hip-hop. How y'all doing, Afrotech? 
Well, thank y'all so much for coming out. I know it's real early and it's real cold in Austin, Texas, or if you're streaming on the Afrotech app, thank y'all for checking us out today. I have two wonderful gentlemen today to speak some hip hop with us. Let me tell y'all a little bit about the, the uh, panel we're gonna be having today. So we're gonna be talking about the business of hip hop. Is anybody here into, the, into music, doing music, interested in the music industry? Y'all came to the right place. <laughs> so we're gonna be diving into the specifics of the streaming, music rights, marketing, and the future of the music industry. I have two incredible gentlemen right here to my right. Um, first, we have Tim Henshaw. I want you to go ahead and introduce yourself. Because <laughs> <laughs> you yeah. can do it better than I can. My name is Tim Henshaw. I'm from the west side of Compton. I've been at Amazon for four years. I'm excited to be here today. I lead the rotation team, which is the hip hop and R&B team on the Amazon music side. Um, and we've been doing you know, some, some really cool stuff. The team is collectively compromised of um, black and brown professionals and we're really excited about the representation that we have in the tech space. Y'all give it up for Tim. All right, and we got Wallace Joseph. Go ahead and introduce yourself. Let the people know who you are. What's going on, everybody? I'm Wallace Joseph. I'm originally from Palm Beach, Florida. Uh, I now reside in LA for the last nine years, and I'm grateful to be here. <laughs> <laughs> and then you got little old me. My name is Stephanie. I'm the Associate Director at Blavity Inc. Associate Director of Editorial, sorry. I oversee all of the editorial at Blavity, all the five brands. But before joining Blavity, the wonderful, wonderful company of Blavity, I actually was in the entertainment industry myself doing management, and I was based right here in Austin, Texas. This is my home, Hook'em Horns. I feel like I'm the only person here in Texas or from Texas. I got people from Texas. So if you were born, if you were born in Texas, live in Texas or used to live in Texas, can I get an already? Already. <laughs> that sounds so beautiful. And again, you could be anywhere in the world right now, but you are here with us. So let's go ahead and get started. Um, I didn't want to start too heavy, but I'd be remiss if I didn't. So I wanted to talk about something that is kind of leading the discussion in hip hop right now. Um, it seems like every year for, or literally every, for the past couple of years rather, we have been losing a lot of men and women in hip hop to gun violence. Um, some that have been people that we know, some that are people we worked with, the Nipsey, Pop Smoke, Young Dolph, uh, Mo3 in Dallas, PNB Rock, uh, a lot of cash deaths though in Houston. Um, and of course, most recently, a brother takeoff, RIP takeoff. Um, but it seems like a common theme after these senseless killings seems to be to blame hip hop. So I wanted to start here because I want to know for you guys, what are your thoughts around this narrative that hip hop is to blame for the gun violence? Yeah, I think um, first off, like condolences to Takeoff's family um, and the whole QC family and everything they're going through. Um, I think hip hop is just an easy target. Um, it's easy for politicians and uh, the powers that be to get on these platforms and, and sort of like put this indictment against hip hop music. Uh, but I think Kendrick Lamar summed it up kind of perfectly in the hard part five, um, just talking about like our culture, the streets, the streets culture and, and how that kind of just spills over into hip hop. Just because a lot of these artists, you know, they don't feel like they need to divert from where they come from um, 
holistically. And, and I think that just kind of keeps the authenticity of who they are. Um, and I think that's important, but I, I feel like, you know, we're just like right there in the middle, like to, to, to be the easy target and to have like talking points for people to not be able to go and say, okay, well, let's fix our gun laws or let's fix, um, you know, just our environment, our community, or let's get these young kids jobs so they don't have to go out flocking or, you know, breaking in stuff and taking stuff from, from, from folks. So I think that's a big part of it. For me, I think hip hop has become an easy target um, uh, simply because of the growth of hip hop. And, and a lot of people can't stand to bear it, honestly. So you will find a lot of people in our industry um, who may be the powers that be uh, find excuses to put the blame on certain individuals. Um, but sometimes all you know is your upbringing and these guys are telling their stories, um, but their stories are reality. You know, sometimes people will sign a check and say, go do your thing. Uh, but I think as executives, we have a social responsibility. And sometimes that, that's not abided by, by the people at the top. Um, and that's why there's people like me and Tim here to make those changes and um, dig a little deeper. Um, go under the surface and just like really say, hey, look, what business am I getting to? Who am I signing? Do I know your family? What is the relationship? And um, how can I help change that narrative? Um, but I think hip hop is a beautiful place. I don't think um, there is changes that we need in our community, but hip hop is not solely to blame. There's systemic oppression over a long period of time that has got us here, but I think uh, with like-minded individuals, we can get together and make a change in hip hop. I love the fact that you mentioned the social responsibility of music executives, because I feel that that's one thing that a lot of people, I hear the chatter, a lot of people really want to know what is it that execs can do. Um, you touched on it a little bit, but I, could you go into detail a little bit? When I, when I sign an act, for me, I'm just not partaking in just doing business. Uh, I take a social responsibility. You become family to me. So. My job to any artist or any writer, any producer that I deal with is, is challenge them, is to let them, give them the opportunity to build and grow um, in the space of like, hey, you may, have this, you may have this money now, you may have this newfound wealth, here's some opportunities, here's some things that you can do. I go sit with my writer. Um, it's not just about business for me. When they're down, when they have a loss of life in their family, I was there for PNB Rock, we worked with him. I was there for Little Kid, we worked with him. And we lost those guys. And like when we, when we lose some of these guys, like it's a lot on us because I spend most of my life and time with these acts yeah. more than I do with my family. So it's a personal thing for me. So my job is just spending time with an act and saying, hey, look, like it's much more to life than just what's going on this. Let's try this, let's go here, let's go on vacation. Let's take a trip. Let's go see the other side of the world, doing other things than just like the humanizing. normal. Yeah, I humanize all my relationships. I don't yeah. just do business with anybody. Like, yo, let's have a personal relationship more than just business. Mm -hmm. That's important. Like, I, I, for me, like, it's more so like on the executive side and information sharing with like the kids in my hood. I'm in my hood like a lot. Just like. I remind everybody where you're from. I'm from the west side of Compton. So all right. It's like, yo. <laughs> um, but when I was growing up, like, I didn't have sort of examples to, to, to say like, yo, you can be in the music industry and you can, you know, be in a B.A.N.R. or work in publishing or uh, work behind the scenes and make a lucrative living for yourself and your family. So for me, it was like, how can I 
find like-minded kids in my neighborhood who have sort of ambitions in the music industry and, and want a better life for themselves? How can I create a pipeline for them to be in these rooms? Because I, I couldn't get an internship. I didn't go to college. Um, so all these internships with these record labels, you had to be in, enrolled in college mm -hmm. or whatever. But now it's like, how do we find those uh, different ways or avenues for, for these people in these communities to help better themselves and explore other opportunities other than what they see on TV as, as what black men, what successful black men should be or could be is like pushing that narrative like you're, you're either a rapper or a, a, a sports player or whatever, but it's like there's a lot of opportunities and, and avenues. So really being visible um, and sharing that information is important. Absolutely. I, I think that's, that's true. I think information is so important. Um, once you have the information, you have the access. And 100%. It's, I, I want, when I tell my guys, when I deal with them, it's like, when you're sleeping, I want you to be making money. Um, yeah. So that's showing them how to build a viable, sustainable business. That's showing them how to understand the, the legalities of publishing, like how to break down a deal, how, what business makes sense. You see a lot of times with guys like, yo, I signed a bad deal. Um, and that's not always the case. So my job when I went on the inside is to educate people that look like me. And that's why we're here. Absolutely. That's why we have this panel today. <laughs> so, I mean, we talked a little bit, or I kind of mentioned a little bit about the chatter, the chatter that we're hearing. And we had a conversation last week, and I want to let the, the public be privy to this. If you don't mind me spilling the tea real quick and letting the public be privy to this conversation. So we were talking a little bit about hip hop's reign and where hip hop is as far as, um, you know, we know that we love hip hop, but is hip hop doing the numbers? Now, of course, Drake and 21 Savage released her loss and it took over the Billboard charts, but how well is hip hop doing? Is hip hop's reign dying? So Wallace, you had some great uh, commentary regarding that. So I do want to start with you so you can kind of recap the conversation Absolutely. a little bit. I think about our conversation last week. Um, when I came into the publishing world, I came into the publishing world 2017 and hip hop wasn't the rain because people were making the move from physical sales to digital. And the business of hip hop was figuring out how the streaming world would work for us. And a lot of people couldn't convert because we're still old, used to the old system of like, yo, CD sales, there's more money there. And it was a hard transition for hip hop. But speeding up into the year 2017, 2018, I seen hip hop take off and other genres that were much more popular at the time started to take a back seat to that genre and people had to adapt. People had to, you know, a lot of pop genres like, yo, let me find the, the popular rap artists and feature them on my song because I know that's going to help take my song to number one or extend the life of the song. Um, but for me, what I'm realizing now, we're seeing a lot of narratives of like, yo, hip hop is dying. Um, I think hip hop is one of the most impactful uh, music in the culture and a lot of people can't stand to see it. It's just the honest truth. And um, you see these articles are being written, hip hop is dying off. Is hip hop losing its steam? I don't think it's losing its steam at all. I think hip hop is strengthening itself. Uh, it's one of the most dominant genres in the world. In our business, hip hop controls everything else. If hip hop is down, pop is down, K-pop is down, Latin music is down. So. Um, for me, I don't think it's losing its reign at all. Um, those people 
as they say, they <laughs> want you to say, hey, look, hip hop is down, but it's not. Drake j and 21 just sold 411,000. Summer Walker broke every record as an R&B artist, sold 175,000 first week. Um, talk. I think it's here to stay. I don't think we're going anywhere, but there is a narrative out there to downplay our music. But I don't think I don't think that's the issue. And you can discuss, you can talk about yeah, it how you I, see it. I think like when Wallace says like the they, I, I feel like it's a just a, a reaction of like old gatekeepers mm -hmm. not being able to 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 like 2009 to 2010, they could force feed us Usher on Max Martin Records or OMG like that that pop sound. They could force feed it to us because radio is prominent. They play it all day. It's like, yo, we kind of like it. We kind of don't, but we'll hear it all day. Now it's like these kids open these, they open Amazon Music and they click on these songs and they, they listen to the songs that they, they want to listen to. They, can, they control. So I think that control is gone. But I think, you know, they just need to be realistic. Like hip hop is not just a music, it's a culture. And it's a pillar of black culture. And without black culture, there's nothing else, right? Like, I've always like, said we control the cool. Real, that's real. Like you look at other artists, in other genres who who you think should have like such a world stopping impact when they release music, it's not the same when a Kendrick Lamar as as like when a Kendrick Lamar drops or a Beyonce drops. Like you see it, but like it don't stick. It don't, you know, you don't really feel it. Right. How you feel when um, you know, black culture comes to the microphone. I, I, I agree. I mean, we could look at two weeks ago. I mean, just to be honest, Taylor Swift dropped an album, sold two million records, but Drake and 21 came right after that, and that was the talk of everything, everyone's topic of discussion, everyone's conversation. Um, our culture has an unidentified number attached to it that you can't pay for. Mm -hmm. um, and sometimes those people that sit in those seats try to misappropriate it or create the narrative behind it. And there's like-minded individuals like us that's, that's just not gonna yeah. let it happen. Yeah. yeah. And <laughs> Y'all can go ahead and clap it up for him. Y'all can go ahead. My dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. Then one day my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs, the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure. I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash customer to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash customer. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. AI might be the most important new computer technology ever. It's storming every industry and literally billions of dollars are being invested. So buckle up. The problem is that AI needs a lot of speed and processing power. So how do you compete without costs spiraling out of control? It's time to upgrade to the next generation of the cloud. Oracle Cloud Infrastructure or OCI. OCI is a single platform for your infrastructure, database, application development, and AI needs. OCI has four to eight times the bandwidth of other clouds, offers one consistent price instead of variable regional pricing, and of course, nobody does data better than Oracle. 
So now you can train your AI models at twice the speed and less than half the cost of other clouds. If you want to do more and spend less like Uber, 8x8, and Databricks Mosaic, take a free test drive of OCI at oracle.com slash strategic. That's oracle.com slash strategic. oracle.com slash strategic. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. You can earn four times points on your top two eligible spending categories every month, like transit, U.S. restaurants, and gas stations. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Four times points on up to $150,000 in purchases per year. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp's software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Cards issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart's Outspoken Network for a year, and what a year it has been. Every weekday, I navigate our rapidly changing world alongside our series of fabulous expert guests. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Woke not just to the latest headlines, but also to the collective power we all have. Woke to the need to build community with those around us. Woke to how to avoid burnout and woke to the ways we can all find joy in the madness. Make Woke AF Daily with Danielle Moody your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. And tune in to hear the ways I am working to stay grounded amidst it all. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. So, uh, Tim, to add on to that, um, how is hip-hop trending on the DSP side? on the streaming side? Like, are you seeing numbers? Yeah. Nah, is, still, are we fluctuating, going up, going Still down? leading, like, it's not, it's not even really close. So like, that's why, it's, that's why like being on, a, on, on this side of it, you see these headlines like come out, you're like, damn, like, where is that coming from? Cause I, we're seeing the numbers, we're seeing people ask for hip hop on Alexa in a really, really huge way. Um, and I think, if the numbers are down a little bit, you got to think about it like the, the pandemic pushed us out from artists for two years. Yeah. You think about the Kendrick Lamar album, I read something where he said he had been wanting to put the album out, but you know, a lot of artists want to have rollouts. They wanted to go on tour. So that music is pushed back. So you think about Kendrick out of the market, you think about Nicki out of the market, um, J. Cole, a lot of these titans who have sort of like a release cadence. Um, and, and maybe if the numbers slipped a little bit, the, the, it's, it's a, by way of that, but 
we strong, you know what I mean? <laughs> Resilient. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. I think that that's one of those things where on the outside it looks one way, on the inside it looks a completely different way. And so... Um, but then the truth. And then there's the truth. You know, like I said, you know, men lie, women lie, numbers can lie, depending on what numbers you're looking at. But yeah. the culture is the culture. And as you can see, we run that. So that's the most important thing. So I'm glad that we got to have that conversation. Um, but I want to take it back to the beginning, because, of course, we're here to educate about the music industry and the music business. We, it's the Business of Hip Hop panel. So I, for those who are in the room right now that are into music and want to get their feet wet or whatever, parts or of the industry they're in. Um, I want to ask you guys, obviously we know that artists should surround themselves with people that they trust, but I want to get from you guys your uh, suggestions as far as who are the important members that every artist should have on their team. Um, I think the most important person is whoever's around that's going to tell you like, yo, you need to chill out. Like you wilding, like that person is most important. A lot of people, you see it, you see what's going on with a lot of like our heroes. They don't have those people around um, to 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 be able to tell them like, yo, listen, like when you said that, you wasn't supposed to say that, and and you wasn't supposed to say it because of X, Y, and Z. Um, I think that's the most important. And uh, lawyers, like having the right lawyers. Um, at who you know you could be open with, who have your best interests at heart. A lot of these lawyers, just to be real, um, have a lot of like just back dealings with these major companies. So you know they're, they're looking out for the major companies as well as looking out for you in certain instances. Um, but you really need to figure out like who who um, who are those like right people to lead you in the right way. And I would say like just executives within these buildings. Um, myself Wallace like being able to fight for these artists um, whether it's compensation because I know what you're paying this artist I need you to have the same energy for, I love for, that you for, mentioned for that. black artists um, I, I think those are probably the, in my opinion the most important three I think for in any arena that you go into it's finding like-minded individuals that you can work with a lot of people will sometimes in any space will like try to reach for the guy that's at the top and sometimes the guy that maybe the next at the top is sitting right next to you. Yep. So I always tell people, look at the people to, to the left and the right of you first before you go reaching for the top. Um, an executive always told me when I read the chart, start at the bottom, then work your way up mm -hmm. because those people are grinding and get to the top. So I always tell people, find people that are- To network across. Like, like them, like-minded individuals that you can grow with that share the same vision. But in my space, important people are like, you know, finding someone that you can build with that can be a manager that believes in you when when you're not hot and the phone stops ringing and that person's still gonna pick up the phone and make calls on your behalf, finding a lawyer that believes in you and not is just here for a check. Um, finding the right person when you do a deal uh, versus a lot of people will say, hey, look, I wanna get the biggest check. And it's, it's in every industry. Like, yeah, I wanna cash out, but it's not always about the dollar amount. Mm -hmm. It's the opportunity cost that lies there too that people need to look at and say, hey, look, this opportunity might be more worth more than the dollar that I'm gonna sign for. And that may pay off in year three, in year four, in year five, where you look back and say, hey, look, I've generated more money than I would have initially signed in this initial deal. Yeah, so. Ch chasing money is probably my biggest mistake in this music business, for sure. Could you expand on that? I, I, I think like when I first got into business, my brother and I, we started a publishing company like just fresh out of high school. Um, and we had two deals on the table. And one of the deals, the first deal that we got, the first offer that we got, 
it, we just felt the love, like we felt the energy. It was like, like Wallace was just saying, like finding people who actually rock with you, rock with your talent um, and want to work with you and help cultivate you to, you know, where you want to be. Whereas the second deal we got was a lot of money. It was like we kids from Compton. We like, yo, OK, we, we want to go this route. But it ended up being the worst deal that we could have did. And it like kind of just put us in a stage of purgatory for a while. Um, and we should have went with that 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 first deal just because it was like the energy was there, the vibe was there, people like actually was were coming to Compton and coming to our city to actually meet with us, meet our family. We didn't get that from the other company, but we got the money. So like I think chasing money to a certain extent because you gotta get your back. Yeah. But like that's most important too. But like you gotta you gotta make sure it's coming from the right places. Don't get blinded by the dollar sign. Right. Yeah. 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 But also get paid, though. But, but get paid. Yeah. Get paid, yeah. of course. <laughs> I love something else that you mentioned, Tim, where you were talking about some of the most important people on your team have to be in the building. I think that that's something that a lot of people don't really mention, is that you have to really network your, your way into the building. Mm -hmm. Could you expand a little bit on, because you talked about it a little bit, but I want you to expand a little bit about who should an artist be linking with in the building? Um, just the people that know how to get stuff done. Like a lot of times, and I'll just speak from an executive standpoint, like there are a lot of executives who are scared to shake the table. Like they're scared to stand on the table and say, no, we need to do this because X, Y, and Z. Um, and I think if you find those people, whatever you're trying to do, whatever initiative you're trying to get across or get done, because for me, like if I feel something, I'm not going to shut up until... Like you, if you tell me maybe, that's the worst thing you could do because I'm gonna be at your doorstep every mm -hmm. day. Like, yo, you said maybe. Like, we here's why I think we should get to a yes. Um, and I think I feel grateful that at the Amazon Music allows me that sort of leash to really fight for what I think is right. And the team, like the team, collectively, um, we all have that same energy. Like, if we feel like it's a hill we need to die on, we go, we go. So you want to find that advocate in the building, yep. but that's also a disruptor. Mm -hmm. Somebody that'll shake that table for you. Yeah, but disruptor in a good way, In a, in a good, good way, disruptor, though, because, yeah. Um, that, that, that could just cause friction with other teams and being cross-functional and stuff like that. You got to have like, the right mix. Uh, and it's an it's a art. I learned just from uh, being in certain rooms and seeing how people like, carry themselves and the, the, the things that they use, the tools that they use to get their point across. I um, was just very fortunate to be in, be in those rooms. So I would say, like, it's important for you to create space for yourself at these tables, but you also got to make enough room for other people to sit at the table with you so they can fight these, 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 these fights with you. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's all about being, finding that person that's your champion, mm -hmm. someone that's going to go to war for you and that's going to, you know, like, getting a deal across, like, uh, I'll even speak from experience. Um, I know my friend Tunde is here. Tunde. Uh, when we were going to sign Summer Walker and I told my boss, I was like, yo, we got to go see this new artist. I think she's next. He said, you know what? Let's do it. We got on a plane, uh, flew to Philly, took a car from Philly, drove to D.C. And we seen her perform for the first time. And it wasn't one of her best performances. And my boss looked at me and was like, yo, we got this offer that we want to pass a huge number. We got to go sell it to these people at the top. It's like, I'm not sure, but I championed it and he believed and, and we continue to believe and we championed it and we signed it and Summer Walker has become who she is. So I, I just tell you, like, 
if you believe in something, don't don't give up. Yeah. You know, push forward. Uh, just seeing everyone come here together is a beautiful experience. So back to our saying, find your champion in, in this building. Find someone that's going to help you take it to the next level. Uh, find someone that's going to be your advocate. And, and that's always worked for me and, and all the deals that I've done. I love that. I love that you mentioned find someone in this building because I think that networking across, like you mentioned earlier, is super important. You don't always have to network up because eventually yeah. the people who are at the top are going to retire. Mm -hmm. And they're going to go away. And the next executive is sitting right next to you. You know what I mean? The person that can help you get to wherever you need to get is literally sitting right next to you. So make sure before y'all get up today that y'all have met every single person that's sitting right next to you and exchanged info. Because that's the person that could sign your artist or you. Um, that's so real. <laughs> I, I look, I think it, I, also to that point is like, you never know who's going to be who. Yeah. Um, and I just mean that by like just respecting, like you gotta treat everybody with respect. I treat everybody with the same respect. Um, you, you never know who's gonna have that top position. Like one, one minute you're hot, one minute you're not. And then the person that you was treating crazy, you know, they-, they Burnt the a bridge that you needed. Burnt the bridge. <laughs> like all the relationships that I've garnered in this business from a corporate standpoint have been like people I was just genuinely nice to. Yeah. Um, I got this Amazon job, this woman that worked at Microsoft, she was like, yo, they trying to do hip hop at Amazon. You should have this conversation with them. She had worked in my previous job and everybody like the higher, they were all mean to this lady, like just super mean. I'm always like, yo, how you doing? And she threw me the lob and it's like, yo, you never know where your next opportunity is gonna come from, like at all. That's been similar to my journey. Um, I've never interviewed for a job. <laughs> it's all been networking. It's all been, I've always said that it's not, it's not who you know, it's who knows you. Yeah. So it's all about who you've introduced yourself to and who you made sure knew who you were. Cause then I've never had to interview for a job. I just kind of come in and be like, you know, helps us out. And they got me. <laughs> <laughs> That's <real. laughs> I agree. I say the same. I feel like at the end of the day, uh, the biggest thing is doing the work. You do the 100%. work, someone's gonna find you. Mm -hmm. um, and it's, it's worked for me like that. I, I didn't apply five years ago. I didn't apply for my job either. I just was doing the work and I kept my head down because before then I tried to apply for every job and I couldn't get a job. So I said, you know what? I'm gonna go figure it out. I'm gonna go figure it out with like-minded individuals. And we grew and we grew and we grew. And then multiple people came calling. So I always tell people like, put your head down and do the work. Yeah. Uh, if you don't think your app is working at this time or you're not inventing your tech job at this time, just do the work. Mm -hmm. 100%. It will come. Like, <laughs> That's real. <laughs> um, so both of, for both of you guys, what are some common mistakes that you've seen new artists making when signing their first label deal or publishing deal? Or I guess I'll start with um, Man, the biggest mistake is when they sign a deal and they get the check. Yeah. <laughs> um, like Tim was saying. A lot of times, and I tell people this, a lot of times why I got into the business is to educate people because I've been, down, I, I was a former manager and I've been down that road with my clients where we signed a deal and we didn't have the business acumen of like understanding like what do we do with taxes or how do we spend X, Y, Z. So I told a lot of, when I sign, when I sign guys, I try to help set them up on opportunities that'll create more revenue for them outside of my normal job requirements. Um, helping them meet with business managers to evaluate on how they could build a sound business and build their money. Um, but a lot of times guys take things into their own hands where they say, hey, look, 
I got a million dollars, I got $2 million. They think they have a million dollars. You don't, especially if you sign a deal in the state of California, this half. So sometimes people don't think they need to put up money for taxes or for emergencies because like, I got a million dollars. That means I can go buy the chain, I can go buy the car, I can get the house. Uh, but situations happen like the pandemic where we've seen a lot of artists who are running and figuring out like what to do. Some sold catalogs, some did other things. Um, but I always tell people like, be smart with your money. Yeah. The Absolutely. biggest, biggest thing is being smart with your money because in reality, you sign a million dollars, you, you, you kind of live a new lifestyle. So you, you afford things at a different rate. So a million dollars can go by very fast. Very fast. So I always Not that tell I know people, anything about that. <laughs> I always <laughs> tell people, be smart with your money. Yeah, that's real. That's, I mean, plus one to that, I think um, that's, the, that's the biggest mistake. It's funny, I was having this conversation uh, a couple of weeks ago. Steve Lacey is a kid who's from Compton as well. I've known him since... Um, he was a young kid and I remember he was working with the internet. He was a, just a guitar player um, with the internet. He's like, yo, I want to buy a chain. Uh, he's probably 17 or 18. I'm like, yo, you should just go to the Daniels Jewelry and open a credit line and build your credit. Like, don't go to the swap meet and pay the money, all right. Like, just just build your credit. And he, he looked at me, he was like, yo, like, all right, cool. Um, and he's been building his credit, like, since then. And I think, like, just being around like-minded people to share those, just those, kind of gems that yeah. we, we in our community don't usually get, right? Like from an early standpoint, how our peers may, may have those conversations, but I think that's important. So I wanna get into uh, marketing a little bit. Um, back in my day, not to age myself, but uh, you know, for an artist to kind of get themselves out there, showcases, open mics, those were big, um, blogs, magazines, um, that's the way that they got visibility. Now, obviously, in 2022, going into 2023, that is completely different. Absolutely. So, <laughs> so I want to talk a little bit about um, what are the new ways that artists can gain visibility now? And um, what do you anticipate for the future? I think we're in a, we're in a digital space now. Mm. I think uh, it's more front-facing where I can open up my app and I can see everything all at once. Prior to that, you had to read a magazine, you had to go online, you had to stand in the line, you had to go to a place to see somebody. But at the snap of your fingers, I can go online and see something around the world Yeah. in a matter of no time. Um, I think there's been a gift and a curse in that space. A lot of artists don't want to be front-facing, and sometimes they take a hit, and some artists are front-facing, and sometimes it shortens their value. Um, so I always tell an artist or a writer that I deal with is to be remain true and remain have true values and core. Uh, because you can go on TikTok and explode. I was ask, like, off what are your TikTok. thoughts of using TikTok as a, a platform? I love TikTok. I'm always <laughs> on TikTok. Um, um, but I think TikTok for artists can be sometimes hard because they feel like they have to put on a show for a, a certain amount of viewership or X, Y, Z, and and some it's relatable to. Um, for me, I think people should embrace where technology is going. Um, because it's just where the world is going, honestly. Yeah. Um, the old modern day marketing schemes, those are out. Um, no more handing CDs out the trunk of your car anymore. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> I think where we're going with technology and stuff like that, a lot of artists are going to have to get on board or get left behind. Yeah. So um, 
I think that's my two tips. Yeah, just being creative. But also, like, I think some of those old avenues still work, like networking. Yeah. And, you know, knowing who's who. Like, when I was a kid, like, I did all kind of research on who was the decision makers in music. So, Kevin Lyles. I ran up, my first job was at the airport. I ran up on Kevin Lyles and his son. I had a hoodie on. He like, man, don't be running up on me with a hoodie on. <laughs> and I'm like, yo, Kevin, I'm Tim Hinshaw. I'm trying to do X, Y, and Z. And I built a rapport with Kevin um, up until this day. And I think, like, really knowing who's who um, and figuring out ways to get in those rooms. Like, yeah. you got to get creative. Um, but, I, but also, though, I will say you have to listen to yourself in the sense of, like, your body's going to tell you the music's not good. Your body. I, I feel that way. Like, I, I feel like if you really are truly listening to, to you, Go after your dreams, like follow your dreams, fight mm -hmm. for your dreams. But your body will tell you when it's time to shift. Okay. When it's time to switch gears and like, okay, this is not working. So how does your body tell you that it's time to shift? Like, I want to know what that means. You got to listen. Like, you, you just got to be in tune with, okay. with yourself. Um, I, I'm a spiritual person. So, like, you know, I pray. I, I, I listen to, you know, my thoughts. And I'm like, yo, I, I see. I read the room. I see the signs. It's like. This isn't this isn't working. It's too much friction here. It's too much friction. Yeah. Here. I'm bumping my head too much. Let me figure out a different route. Um, yeah. That's how I got in, this, in an executive chair. I wanted to be a rapper. I was I was I had success. I was getting in rooms. I was getting in label meetings. Um, and then J Cole dropped, and it was like, yo, I'm never gonna be like this guy. Like, <laughs> like I figure, ain't J Cole. <laughs> let, me figure, let me figure out a, a a a different route, right? And and I think like. Um, that's, that's important too, because you could be blocking your blessings, just yeah. being stubborn on one particular path. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. You can earn four times points on your top two eligible spending categories every month, like transit, U.S. restaurants, and gas stations. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Four times points on up to $150,000 in purchases per year. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart's Outspoken Network for a year, and what a year it has been. Every weekday, I navigate our rapidly changing world alongside our series of fabulous expert guests. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Woke not just to the latest headlines, but also to the collective power we all have. Woke to the need to build community with those around us. Woke to how to avoid burnout and woke to the ways we can all find joy in the madness. Make Woke AF Daily with Danielle Moody your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. And tune in to hear the ways I am working to stay grounded amidst it all. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Across Generations, where the voices of Black women unite in powerful conversations. I'm your host, Tiffany Cross. Tiffany Cross. I want you all to join me and be a part of sisterhood, friendship, wisdom, and laughter. In every episode, we gather a seasoned elder. But even with a child, there's no such thing as the wrong thing if you love them. 
myself as the middle generation. I don't feel like I have to get married at this big age in life, but it is a desire I have and something that I've navigated in dating and a vibrant young soul for engaging intergenerational conversations. I'm very jealous of your generation (laughs) that didn't have to deal with Instagram and Tinder. This is Across Generations, where Black women's voices unite, and together, you know how we do, we create magic. magic. Listen to Across Generations podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, my name's Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of On Purpose. I just had a great conversation with Michael B. Jordan, and you can listen to it right now. Michael is known for his performances in both film and television. His breakout role was in Fruitvale Station, playing Oscar Grant, which earned him widespread praise and numerous award nominations. His portrayal of Killmonger in Marvel's Black Panther, one of my favorites, further solidified his status as one of Hollywood's leading actors, earning him widespread acclaim for his complex and compelling performance. In our conversation, Michael really opens up. You're going to love listening to it, and I can't wait for you to check it out. The closest to getting what you want is always the hardest. It's always the feeling when you're getting ready to, you know, people give up right before they get what they've always wanted to get. People quit. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. My name is Johnny B. Good, and I'm the host of the new podcast, Creating a Con, the story of Bitcoin. Over this nine-part series, I'll explore the life and crimes of my best friend, Ray Trapani. I always wanted to be a criminal. If someone's like, oh, what's your best way of making money? I'm like, oh, we should start some sort of scheme. You see, Ray has this unique ability to find loopholes and exploit them. They collected $30 million. There were headlines about it. His company, Centratech, was one of the hottest crypto startups in 2017. It was going to change the world, until it didn't. I came into my office, opened my email, and the subject heading was FBI request. It was only a matter of time before the truth came out. You can only fake it till you make it for so long before they find out that your Harvard degree is not so crimson. How could you sit there and do something that you know will objectively cause more harm in the world? Listen to Creating a Con, the story of Bitcoin, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And I love that uh, Wallace mentioned TikTok, too, because I wanted to ask you, you coming from a streaming slash DSP uh, standpoint with artists using TikTok, how is that affecting what's happening in streaming or what are you guys doing over yeah. at Amazon? There's a woman named um, Rochelle Balagon on the programming team. She's responsible for all hip hop and R&B like playlisting. So Rochelle is the person that you reach out to if you want to get your record on a, a particular playlist. But she had like the wherewithal to create a um, a playlist called Viral Hits, and it was mainly um, just seeing what was happening on social media, seeing what was happening on TikTok specifically, and it was like, okay, cool, let's create a playlist of all these records that are bubbling in this space. I think the first record was the kid. What's the kid with the mask? Um, he uh, he had that one record where his now uh, I'm blanking on his name, nice. but. Yeah, he just wears a mask. Um, uh, I know who you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. Uh, rumor. Rumor. Rumor, rumor, yeah. That that record was bubbling, and she created that playlist. So it, like, sort of, in her own way, mirrors 
what's 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 popular right now from a social standpoint. So you're noticing that people are using TikTok. When I say people, I see consumers using TikTok, hearing these songs, and then what they're doing is yeah. they're going back to the streaming platform. Like that, tra that, that, that transition is for sure true, and I don't know where David is, but I hope I don't get in trouble for this. But like from from um, you know listening to you see a song on TikTok and then you immediately open the Amazon Music app. Um, and play that song. Like we're definitely seeing those okay. those trends um, for sure. I, I definitely think TikToks and other platforms amplifies people to go to DSP. Like when you look at Steve Lacey, his blew up from a TikTok where somebody was on a bus, listened to the song, made a song, and then other people recreated and recreated. It. And now people transition from that app until the, onto the DSP. So I think it's an avenue where it works for a lot of people. Um, I just think once you have that momentum, I think you find yourself in your niche and how do you build this base? Because like sometimes you may explode from a record from a TikTok and may not have a follow-up and may not have an understanding how to build this business. So I think it's coming in with the idea and figuring out ways to build your business after you've had this amount of success. And that's when it's a good time to have like a marketer on your team, someone who can notice that, okay, this is starting to trend. And like you said, now what do we do? Absolutely. Where do we go from here? Because, um, Especially when you have like the older songs, because I noticed TikTok loves my old school 90s music. Yeah. A, a, TikTok <laughs> has uh, reignited so many songs. We look at Kate Bush, that song was like 32 years old and like became a hit again. So yeah. it's like, um, and not to keep talking about TikTok, but it just helped push new music to the forefront for other demographics that are younger that have never heard this song. They can go to these platforms and discover and then go to a DSP like Amazon and say, wow, I can listen to this. I can add it to my playlist. And, and so on and so forth. Okay. Um, do you know of any other apps or anything like that that are bubbling that maybe people should know about? Or are we still trying to figure that out? Amazon Music. Of course. Well, he of said course. Amazon Music. That's all I know right now. <laughs> uh, uh. <laughs> of course. Got to plug, plug, plug. Um, so, um, I wanted to ask, I guess this is a question really for both of y'all, um, with the, the few minutes that we do have left. What are the differences between copyrights and masters? And um, how does it affect ownership rights on um, streaming platforms in terms of like royalties? That's all Wallace. Uh, <laughs> on, on the publisher um, side, let's talk about it. The copyright and masters are two uh, parts. Um, the copyright on the, what's the question again? Um, the copyright and masters, and then how does it affect rights? So the copyright is normally traditionally owned by a writer, artist, producer. Uh, it's works that they put together that they own, which will be published probably by a publishing company, right? And then you have the sound recording on the label side, which is traditionally put out through a label, which would be owned by the label, which would be the master side. Um, I think... Traditionally, on the writers, on the publishing side, what we've seen is, I know a lot of you people see the uh, Music Modernization Act, where a lot of people went to Capitol Hill to fight for an increase in revenue for our writers. We've worked closely with the DSPs to come together to increase the rate, um, and we will see an influx of new cash flow for writers on that end. Uh, on the master side, um, what I've realized is, um, generally, the master side is paid at a different rate, which is paid at a higher rate. Um, on my side, I'm in the publishing business, and we call it the penny business. But the penny business adds up. The penny so, or penny? The penny business. Penny, okay. But um, as long as you, when you have a copyright, it's always streaming, so you're always making money. Um, so 
generally what I've seen difference is they're paid at different rates. Okay. When you have the master rights, you own the recordings, it's paid at a higher rate. You own the copyrights, you can redistribute it, you can sell it, uh, you can do so many things with your copyrights. Um, but the biggest difference is the rates that they're paid at and ownership. Is just, um, so I guess with my last question that I have for you guys, um, since we are here at Afrotech, let's get real super techie with it. <laughs> how, do you, how do you see um, NFTs or in Web3 in general playing a part in the future of music? I think for us, like in our space, NFTs came really fast in the last year uh, and it kind of left because we're in an old model system, kind of like publishing is like you connect, I collect your revenue, I give your money and that's kind of it. But we are moving fast forward where we've created a creative service company where we explore these opportunities. Um, in the NFT space, what I've seen is like what was kind of tough for the publishing companies, like how do I monetize the NFT? Because I can buy the NFT, I can give it to you, you can sell it, you can sell it and so many people can own it. So how does a publisher monetize that? Um, so that's where I've noticed that they've been finding creative ways on how to monetize the NFT. Uh -huh. um, for us, it was coming super fast and then I feel like it kind of burst a little bit. Yeah. And um, to me personally, it's not the sexiest thing that I like to be a part of, but I do see us going to a space where metaverse is important, where the NFT space is important, where Web3 is important in our space. Um, and I think our publishers are going to have to move with the times and get hip onto building these worlds um, because I think there is a lot of money in this space, um, but they're still figuring it out. Yeah, I'm still figuring it out too, honestly. <laughs> no, I agree with you. I think that we are going to eventually move into that space, but like you said, um, at least with the NFTs anyway, it was very rapid. It was very quick and it popularized really quickly because like on social media, like all the celebrities and influencers jumped right on it before I think most people had an explanation of what it was. So I guess to sum up what you basically said is we are still learning and understanding um, where it's going. We have an understanding of where we're at right now, but where it's going is we're still trying to, we're going to pivot and move along with yeah, it. Yeah, I, I think in our space, we're still learning and growing. I think we're going to grow with the times. I think Web3 is here to stay. Oh, uh, I think the NFT space kind of had it for us, like it had a crash, like where like, yo, people were coming super hard, like, hey, I want to use this song for this, but I want to use this part of the song and we're selling off this song. So we're just figuring out creative ways to make it work. But I do think uh, what I've realized at our company is they are moving forward with the times and they are getting hip to it and how they can account for it. Yeah, absolutely. So... That is really all the line of questioning I have for y'all. Thank y'all for sitting in the hot seat with me. So before we go, before we wrap up, let people know how that they can reach you. And if you have any other last words, it's the perfect time to add it because I'm about to be up out of here. <laughs> <laughs> um, you can find me on social media. I'm on Instagram at Sir Wallace 87. Um, I respond. You DM me. Uh, I always like to meet like-minded individuals and work with new people and create new opportunities. Um, like I said, I got into the space to help other people that look like me. If someone has an interest in music or wants to learn more about publishing, um, I'm here. And I just want to say one thing, since it's out, Come on, my man. man got Billboard Executive of the Year. <laughs> <laughs> I just had to put him on blast because it's out so he can actually talk about it. But we're flying back home Thursday to celebrate. Word, love. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. Um, 
<laughs> no, I look, uh, Tim Henshaw on, on IG, um, on LinkedIn as well. Um, what, I, what, I, what I'll leave you guys with is just like, um, don't give up on your dreams. Uh, this, I think being here for me is a full circle moment. My first corporate trip um, I ever took was to South by Southwest. Like I started my job on like March 10th. I was in, I was in Texas, March 12th. Um, and to be here on this stage years later, getting the award while it's just mentioned um, is a full circle moment. So it's like, people are gonna tell you no, people are gonna tell you you're not good enough. You're gonna tell yourself you're not good enough, um, but I think you need to fight through those thoughts um, and keep going and you'll get to where you wanna be. 100%. And I wanna say one last thing. Uh, I wanna say thank you to Morgan and her incredible team here at Afrotech uh, to providing this platform for everyone here and for us, I think, They've been great. Um, man, I got up and left Florida nine years ago for an opportunity and I went through everything. Yeah. Slept in cars, slept at hostels and to have a safe space where you can come and speak with people and connect with people. I've been here this entire week since Sunday and I can tell you the love that I feel just running into different people from different walks of life and learning people, and uh, meeting new people. I think it's been amazing opportunity and I'm excited to see the future of Afrotech and everyone here and I'm just grateful to be here with you guys and I appreciate it. Love. One last thing to that point is like this man right here is just a genuine um, human being and I think this new class of executives I feel really good about just the level of genuine love that we show each other that we support um, that we show up for each other. Like, it is, it's beautiful to see because- I love seeing black executives. It wasn't that, I, I, I guess, I think for the music business, it wasn't that for a long time. Yeah. Um, and I, I just appreciate that, man. So, so I love. I appreciate you. Love. I appreciate you, for sure. I'm feeling the bro love right now. <laughs> Thank y'all, we out. <laughs>
I've been saying since a very young age that I was going to be a millionaire. If someone's like, oh, what's your best way of making money? I'm like, oh, we should start some sort of scheme. Listen to Creating a Con, the story of Bitcoin, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi there, I'm Bob Pittman, chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. Welcome to Math & Magic, stories from the frontiers of marketing. This week, I'm talking to the one and only Ryan Seacrest love the connection to people. I think at the core, what I get excited about, what gets me up in the morning is connecting with people in an unscripted, unvarnished way. It's getting to to say something to them, hear back from them, know that I'm part of the routine. And I look forward to getting on the air. I look forward to it. In these exciting times, we're looking to the math, the strategy and analytics, and the magic, the creative spark more than ever. Listen to Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic Gymnastics, Cain Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you're a fly on the wall at a dinner between the mafia, the CIA, and the KGB. That's where my new podcast begins. This is Neil Strauss, host of To Live and Die in L.A., and I wanted to quickly tell you about an intense new series about a dangerous spy taught to seduce men for their secrets and sometimes their lives. From Tenderfoot TV, this is To Die For. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.